ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. What up, Bates Down? Hey, how we doing? <laughs> He's Joe George. I'm Branham. Sean Mates behind the glass. It is a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. What did you think of that one? What did you think of that? What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? It's okay. Sean, do you want to give it a shot? I, it's hard to do it when the, the music's not yeah, he, playing. He, he, th- oh, he turned the music off on purpose. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Uh, Wise Blankers out today. No Blankers today. Best answers, wrong answers only. 713-780-3776. You think of one as well, Mapes. Wise Blankers not here today. Uh, Joe George filling in. Uh, Astros yesterday. They complete the sweep. Two-game sweep over the Colorado Rockies. But then you throw in the caveat that the Texas Rangers lost at Fenway. And don't look now, but the Houston Astros are only two games back. Like, the Rangers have to feel, after they drop three of four at home, at home to the Houston Astros without Fromber, without Jordan. They have to feel the Astros playing well. The Astros have been injury-riddled. They've been snake-bit. They've had 13 games of Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez together. The Rangers have been, have been exceeding expectations. Their pitching staff is pitching far better than like their career years for the most part. And we're four games away from the All-Star break. And the Houston Astros are only two games back. The Rangers have to feel like the train is right on their heels and they're about to get ran over. Yeah, and I just want to say uh, you're welcome uh, to all the Astros fans out there because I declared the Astros might not win the division. Uh, Yesterday, we spent a good amount of time saying uh, Diaz can't hit with runners in scoring position, uh, you know, for an hour. And, uh, well, he did yesterday. Hey, so. No, no, he didn't. He didn't hit with runners in scoring position yesterday. I thought the second home run. No, Abreu was at first. If somebody was on base. I mean, somebody same. was. No, no. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Move <laughs> you on. Can, you can, you should, we should say that more often. I, I like that. You're right. I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I don't hear that enough. It doesn't happen life. a lot on this show. <laughs> Does it not? Uh, but it was nice to see that with uh, the double dong uh, by Yiner Diaz. He hits much better when he catches, by the way. Do you, do you think there's anything to that? Do you think that that's a real thing? I mean, you know, we talked about that for like two years. I, I would imagine you guys did as well about Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. Like statistically, he was better when he was in left field than he was at DH. And it was always kind of like that back and forth of like, if he's that much better when he's in left field and DHing, do you want to play him there more? Because it just, he's more productive. And it's the same thing here with, with Diaz. It's like, is if he's more productive when he's catching, does it, is it just more beneficial? And, and there's something to that. Like, we all know that. You just sit there for 90% of the day if you're a DH. Like, you go up and if you strike out on three pitches, then you sit your ass back down for another hour. Yeah, like you're not doing it. It's also a little different whenever you're a catcher too, right? Because if like you're playing defense as a catcher, what are you doing every single pitch? You're literally tracking pitches every single pitch. You are catching a pitch every single pitch. Every single time a ball is thrown when you're on defense, you're catching a pitch. And I know it's different. Like, I mean, Yiner never catches Fromber Valdez, so this isn't the best example. I know it's different. Like, if you're catching. Uh, Fromber and you're seeing the arm slot from the left-hand side versus facing a righty, but you're still seeing pitches. You're still tracking pitches. So I, I, I think that there is something to it, especially more for a catcher. 
It is also a catch-22, because if you're catching every day, it means you can hit less. I mean, because catchers don't play every day. Uh, catchers have a, it's a more difficult workload. It's a, it's a chore to be behind the plate, squatting down every single day. It's why everyday catchers only play you know, 140 games a year maximum, max, absolute maximum. And the best hitting catchers, they catch you know, 120, 130 games, and then they play DH or they you know, play first base. So it's kind of a catch-22. I think that there is something to it. But Yiner Diaz, we were talking about this yesterday. Look, he he does have to approve like plate discipline. You know, the, his chase is off the off the outside part of the plate. Sometimes he takes some meat pitches. Like that that stuff has to improve. But why we are all so bullish on Yiner Diaz and why I brought it to Casham or Trasham six weeks ago that I think Yiner Diaz is going to be an all star at least one time in his career is because the guy has a live bat. I was looking at some of the numbers today. If Yiner Diaz was on a 500-plate appearance pace, which is difficult for catchers if they're playing primarily catcher to get to 500-plate appearances, he would flirt with 30 home runs. And he's doing that as a rookie in Major League Baseball. We always talk about how the Astros' pipeline finds a way to produce talent, even if they're not like decorated players. Jeremy Pena wasn't very decorated. Takes over Carlos Correa's spot and wins a World Series. We don't bat an eye. Postseason heroics. Kyle Tucker taking over for George Springer a little bit. And people, oh, Springer plays center. No, no, he doesn't. Springer's now a right fielder. Yiner Diaz is going to be that dude that takes over the catcher spot for the Astros. He's the future of the position. J.P. France, Hunter Brown. The Astros produce talent. They find a way to do it, even if they aren't the most decorated player. And we're seeing that with Yiner Diaz. He's going to be one of the better offensive catchers in baseball whenever he reaches his prime. Yeah, I like him a lot. And I think that, like, yesterday it shows why he's so important to this team because he just has a pop off his bat that feels different, right? Like there's certain yeah. guys that just like when they make contact and it goes out of the yard, not Jordan Alvarez level, but like when, when Diaz makes contact, it gets out of the yard in a, in a hurry. Yeah. It's like, just, it flies off his bat. Yeah. He's, he's got just, pop. He's impressive. Like it, it's, it just continues to why he should be playing more than he is. And I, I'm starting to feel like we're going to see that the That's, second half of the season that like the way he's played, with Jordan Alvarez out, that when Alvarez comes back, yeah. I mean, look, maybe they get a the benefit, I guess, in a way of like Dusty does without having to worry about Altuve's bat and how to get Dubon in the lineup as well. And, and, and Diaz can be your DH a lot of times still with Alvarez back and See, having him in left field. But I don't really want that either. That's the problem that, like, okay, it's a good problem to have, right? Like trying to figure out how to get Diaz in the lineup because it means you have a really good offensive player that you're find, finding a way to get in the lineup. But when Jordan was healthy, we saw what this team was doing in terms of, like, you know, not being able to get Yiner Diaz at bats, right? Like they carried a third catcher, still couldn't get Yiner Diaz at bats. He's been a huge benefactor of the Jordan Alvarez injury because he's been the dude that's played more than anybody else as, like, a non-regular since Jordan Alvarez has been out. So that's great. The biggest question that I have... Because, look, I believe that Dusty Baker is still going to use Martin Maldonado as his primary catcher. Jose Abreu's been really good in the summer months. June and July looks like back of the baseball card, Jose Abreu. My biggest question is how do you get him in the lineup when Jordan is back? How do you play him often when Jordan is back? Is he going to be a semi-regular in the starting lineup when Jordan is back? I don't know. Like, I don't know how you get him in the lineup when Jordan Alvarez is back because, quite frankly, I want Jordan to be the DH of this team. You know how you do it? Just Dusty just does it. He just like, catches Yiner? Just have him catch more. Like, do you this, think that's in play? I think it might be. that. Like, we're at this point where we know he's not going to catch Fromber. Like, that, that book, that chapter is closed. Uh, maybe we'll see Maldonado catch a lot more Javier in the second half of the season to try to get him back going. 
But these other guys, Hunter, he's caught Hunter Brown great. JP France, Belak, Blanco, whoever it is, like even when Rikiti comes back, I, I think we should be at a point now where he's, his bat is good enough and his defensively has been strong enough to where it should just be 50-50. Like, I don't, I don't think there needs to be any more discussion about this. And I know it's, it's different because it's Dusty's discussion versus what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But, like, Diaz should be the guy there at least half the time. Give him a DH day. Give him a first base day to give a Brayo a day off. He should play five days a week. I don't really care how you do it, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I would prefer, like you, that Alvarez is, is your DH primarily when he comes back, especially as he's, you know, look, if you can avoid an oblique injury in left field, then you should probably do that. Right. So having him DH more in theory, like, helps. We saw Altuve hurt his. Um, I know Blummer told the media a story uh, just yesterday about how apparently he tore both of his obliques in one day. Oh, my gosh. Like, he tore he tore his right oblique. He heard a pop. He didn't realize it was torn. He flipped to the other side as a switch hitter, <laughs> and then he tore the other one. And, and literally within, like, two at-bats or two practice That's wins. brutal. So it's like... You don't, like, yeah, Alvarez can hurt this again when he's hitting, but just the risk assessment is lower if he's only your DH. So make him your primary DH until you absolutely need to. You trade for a left fielder, and you just find a way to get Diaz five games in. It's interesting. Whatever you do, just get it done. It's interesting, like, the left fielder conversation, because I think it's a little different now. Because if they're going to use Jordan in left field 50% of the games, I agree with you, they shouldn't. Like, I think he should be the primary DH going forward. Uh, wrap him in bubble wrap. Jordan rule number 23, only DHs because his bat is so important. But I, I do think they're going to play him in left. Corey Jolks has been swinging a really good bat. He's so impressive. Yeah, like, I don't know what to make of Corey Jolks. Because, like, some of the projection numbers don't love him. Like, the baseball savant numbers and stuff, they don't love him. But the last 20 games or so, he's been on fire. And he kind of is like that that gamer type. Where, like, you know, he's kind of gritty. He's going to figure out a way to get it done. I think J.P. France is in that same conversation. Like, they don't have the greatest stuff, the greatest, you know, intangibles, all of that stuff. But they figure out a way to get it done. I'm with you on Yiner, though. Like even if even if Martin even if Martin Maldonado is the primary catcher, and I, I listened to JP France in the press conference yesterday after the game, he's like, "Yeah, I love throwing to Yiner Diaz." Okay, store that away. Yep. Maybe make him the primary catcher for JP France. I thought it was interesting too that Yiner started back to back games behind the plate, maybe for the first time all season, and he did it like in a two game mini series against Colorado. So Maldonado probably didn't have to game plan for Colorado. He's probably getting advanced scouting on Seattle. Yeah. But if he catches two games out of every, you know, the five-man rotation, say it's France, say it's whoever, um, he's catching two of those five games. You mentioned once, hey, let's play him at first base once a week just to make sure Abreu's fresh. You're not benching Abreu. You're just making sure he's fresh. You're making sure that he stays hot. You're making sure that he doesn't get fatigued and tired because he is in his late 30s. And then you figure out a way as well to give him one DH a week. Like, you're playing five times a week if that's the case. So... I think that's the way you go with Yiner to make sure that his bat is in the lineup. His bat is too good uh, for him to be riding on the bench, and Martin Maldonado is the full-time primary guy. Like, If this team has aspirations of being a World Series team, Martin, Martin Maldonado can't be the 100% full-time starter. It's got to be closer to a 50-50 split. I, to me, Martin Maldonado, it's like his ideal role in the playoffs is going to be you know, taking over in like the eighth inning. Like, like Diaz bats in the in the top of the seventh or the bottom of the seventh, then Maldonado comes in just to be the the more you know sound mind defensive presence you know for Abreu and Presley, Ooh. and like that's your final two innings, and likely Diaz won't get another at bat anyways because he's taking his last at bat of the game. Like he's just a defensive replacement. When your team is at its best, 
I think that's what it's going to look like. And and this, this is just another good series. And just going back to the very beginning, yeah, the Rangers got to be sweating this. Like, they've played incredible baseball. Like, there is no doubt. Like, their pitching has been elite. Their, their, their offense has been, like, generational, it feels like, in a way. If all these guys hitting above, like, 260, 270, it doesn't matter. They're two games up. And, like, there's a good chance they're caught by the end of the weekend. That, like, we could go into the All-Star break watching the Astros be tied or only, like, a game back, and that would be incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah. to think what the first half of the season has been to where you could be when you hit the All-Star break would be stunning. Like, before the season, if you said Alvarez and Altuve are going to play in 13 games together, you're going to lose three starting pitchers. Michael Brantley's never going to play. Alex Bregman's going to be terrible for part of the season. Jose Abreu is going to be the worst baseball player literally in all of baseball for two months, and they're going to be a game to two games back of the division. You'd say, great, sign me up. Yeah, and if they're if they're tied for the lead, even if they're two games back, like if they're two games back going into the All Star break with the way this first half of the season is gone, it's it's a huge win for the Astros. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What'd you make of the Astros' victory yesterday over Colorado? That three oh five first pitch start. Uh, the Astros sweeping the two game series against the Rocks. Open up a four game series tonight against Seattle. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Why is Blankers not here? We're on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN ninety seven five. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Is J.P. France good at baseball? Is J.P. France good? Doubling down that he is. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. Fighter of the Night, man. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Bad Take Boulevard at one thirty. Who made the list this week? You'll I have live to. On uh, it. <laughs> yeah, we might have to throw you in here. Uh, if you have what? any, you can let us know. The, the Rangers one. Well, I didn't make a definitive statement. Okay, here we go. Listen, this is Homer Simpson backing into the shrubs here. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. A Texas training camp in three weeks. What's the most interesting storyline for you? I have a weird observation too from national media versus just the city of Houston that we'll get to later. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. We get to JP France in a moment, but let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Willie, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's going on, Willie? Hey, how's it going? I was calling about uh, the Astros and Diaz. Yeah. I, I had some thoughts on how come uh, when you call to talk about uh, certain players, that you don't mention uh, hitting with runners in scoring position, uh, getting a runner in from third with less than two outs, uh, strikeouts, chase rate, uh it's just OPS. Yeah. What about the last seven days? Uh, and I have one more thing. Now we got 10 guys on your uh, station that's smarter than Dusty in baseball. 
With Joe, yeah, I had nine at first. That's a, that's, a, that's more than a full 10. baseball team. That's a softball lineup <laughs> Look, now, Willie, Willie. Willie, I'm just glad you know my name. So <laughs> <laughs> well, now we got ten. Yeah. Uh, that that, that want to win more than Dusty and know more about uh, who should play. And uh, I think he's doing a pretty good job, even though I don't like him. And uh, <laughs> you don't like him? I'm gonna hang up. No, what? you criticize us for bashing Dusty, and then you're going to say you don't like Dusty? I love That's the Dusty biggest Baker, curveball Willie. I've heard in the last six months. <laughs> I I just don't know. Uh, I don't like how every last one of y'all just think y'all know more about coaching baseball I under, than you I hear do you, in Willie. the lineup I, and all that kind of stuff. That's what I call. I appreciate the but, call, Willie. We we always love whenever you call in because you do make us look at the the other stuff. I would call it the, the old school stuff, to be quite honest with you. Willie, you're right. Like, Dusty Baker has done a good job with his baseball team. Joe laid it out last segment. The Astros have been without Lance McCullers all year, hasn't thrown a pitch, but now without Luis Garcia, who went down early. Jose Arquiti went down early. Uh, Jordan Alvarez has missed the last few weeks. Jose Altuve's had four different injuries. No one has really played to their, you know, no one's really exceeded expectations on this team. Maybe like a Hector Neris, but none of your, like, key cogs for this team. Yet the Astros would be in the playoffs if the, if the season to, were to end today. They're just two games back out of the AL West. So, Willie, you're 100% right. Dusty Baker has done a phenomenal job with what has been a snake-bit baseball team. You are right. Like, that is flat-out true. Dusty Baker getting the most out of this team, having them in the position that they are in right now, with everything that has went wrong, is a testament to Dusty Baker. He has done a phenomenal job. So I agree with you, Willie. And, Willie, you make up really you make up good points, too. Not, you're not making them up. You make good points. Like, runners in scoring position is a thing. I think we have devalued a lot of the stuff because of analytics and baseball. I think we've devalued batting average. Like, batting average still matters. Like, I still like a guy who gets a hit more often than other guys who don't get hits. Like, I think OPS is more important than batting average. I do think batting average is an antiquated stat, but we've gone too far. Like, batting average still matters. We've devalued completely a win for a pitcher. A win for a pitcher still matters. You get a 7 nothing lead, I want a guy that's going to go seven or eight innings. Maybe he gives up a run or two that hurts his ERA, but he locks in that victory for you. He saves the bullpen. So Dusty looks at that stuff way more than us, like that look at our computers and that watch the game. We do. So Willie brings up a lot of the points that we we kind of devalue, that we don't look at, that Dusty does. And Dusty, quite frankly, is a master at it. Yeah, and I think something like, I mean, look, we spent a lot of time talking about Diaz, like, Joked about in the first segment in his runners and scoring position, and just how it hasn't been good enough. How his his chase rate is way too high. Like when he's not seeing fastballs, he's struggling. But and and I think that's a big factor, honestly, to where Maldonado has that edge over Diaz. And then, you know the other thing too is as much as we want Diaz to play, at the end of the day, we do not know what the conversations are like with Fromber and Javier. And Hunter Brown, like statistically, you can say Hunter Brown has been a better pitcher when, when Diaz has been behind the plate. His worst starts, Hunter Brown's, have been when Maldi's behind the plate. But it doesn't mean that Brown doesn't prefer Maldi. So, like, there is part of the equation that, like, we don't know the answer to. We're never going to get the answer to. Frankly, like, that would, like, that'll never come out and be public knowledge. Yeah. So, it's all kind of speculation. But, so it's definitely fair points. And Willie, thank you for knowing my name. <laughs> like, I do have a small bone to pick with Willie, though, and how he's getting to 10 people on the station sure. yeah. that all think they're smarter than Dusty. Okay. So it's the three of you. It's 
Yeah. The B's and you. Right. Congratulations <laughs> to so, Joe. Now we need to change it to the Killer J's. Willie says I'm part of Murderous the team. Murderous J's, yeah. You, we also got the wheelhouse. I'm assuming the wheelhouse. There's That's another three. At least three. There's uh, Patrick Creighton. Yep. I'm guessing the bench. Yep. It's nine. Paul goes out of his way to say that he does not uh, question Dusty's lineups. Paul really? says Paul's given him yeah. immunity. I think so. That, then maybe Sean, maybe you're the ten. I also don't. <laughs> I also don't really care about these lineups. Well, I forgot as long Andrew. As they keep winning. I think it's outrageous to care about batting orders. I, I think that the the advantage of having an optimal lineup versus having a suboptimal lineup is so minuscule that it does not matter. I think starts matters. Like, yeah, like who's playing? Jake Meyer starting 20 games versus Chas McCormick starting 15. Like, yeah, I'm going to question that a little bit when Chas McCormick has, you know, far better OPS, things like that. Like, where I'm at with Dusty's, I'll give Dusty credit. Like, you won a World Series last year. He's, he's top 10 all-time managerial wins. I think he is getting the most out of this team. This team's been snake bit, yet they're in the playoffs of the season we're in today. That is a tip of the cap to Dusty Baker. So, you know, also, like, the loyalties can, can sometimes hurt him to a fault. But it's also the reason Mauricio Dubon is an Astro and is succeeding is because Dusty showed faith in him. It's the reason that Corey Jolks had, had success. It's because he's going to play him. It's the reason Yuli Gurriel had success last year in the playoffs. It's the re- it was because Dusty was loyal and committed to him because he thought he could get the most out of him, and he did. Same with Jose Abreu. Like, you can even put Jose Abreu yeah. in that car. Like, the last month of the season, we all wanted to bail. I mean, obviously, you can't with that contract, but Dusty didn't waver. No. Dusty said they're going to figure it out. Jose Bruce said they're going to figure it out, and they figured it out. So, like, Dusty Baker, like, he he knows. And the thing with a manager, though, that I do feel like Willie is, like, is missing here is that in, in all sports, but specifically in baseball, the person who has that job title, they take the brunt. Like, they take all the blame. And and look what happened. Of the 2020, or, like, the, like since, like, 2016, all the teams that have won the World Series – there's no managers left. I guess Alex Cora, he got fired and he came back. But like everyone else, and Dave Roberts. Like AJ's not there. You know, Joe Madden's not there. The Royals manager's not there. So, like, even these guys who have won World Series within the last five, six, seven years, they've all lost their jobs for some reason or another. The managers just take the brunt of the blame when things don't go well. Right. And they don't often get enough credit when things go right. We give credits to the players when things are going well. We give we blame the managers when things are going poorly. It's an unfair system, to be honest. Like, there's really no other way. No. We don't treat football coaches like that. Uh, I disagree. I think we treat all coaches like that. You don't think, <laughs> like, you don't think D'Amico, if things go bad, we're not going to blame D'Amico, or are we just going to blame the players? Well, I think we blame D'Amico. Absolutely. And then if things go how, right. But I think if things how much go right, we'll, we'll credit D'Amico. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. There's more praise. I think there's more credit given in football. Sure. It's more, it's more strategic. Football and basketball are way more strategic yeah. than baseball, for being completely honest. Like, you're drawing up plays. You're drawing up X to O's. Like, I think that a baseball manager, like a baseball manager's value, I think is more important in the clubhouse and being the team psychiatrist than it is being the one making the pinch hitting move in the eighth. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think the least valuable manager slash coaches are the NBA coaches. 100%. I would go NFL. I just don't know the least valuable. Oh, least valuable NBA yeah. coaches? Yeah. I, I, don't think, th- I don't think they're least valuable from a strategic point of view than baseball. Like, Ime Adoka is the exception right now to the rule. Like, you look at the Boston Celtics, they were statistically one of the worst defenses in the NBA. And, like, they woke up one day in January, they were amazing. Yeah. Like, you don't think the Warriors are the Warriors without Steve Kerr? They weren't with Mark Jackson. Fair. 
I think I think in Bear. in the NBA it it only matters if you have like a top five or a bottom five coach. Yeah, I think the middle the like middle sucks. twenty. I would agree like, with that. Like, those are all interchangeable. They're interchangeable. Right? Yeah. I think baseball you do need specific types of managers for specific types of teams. Like look I what's think going on in New York. Matters a little bit less. Like look with the Mets. Like they can't figure it out. But is they, Buck Showalter a bad manager? No, but it seems he's like bad it's for not, the Mets. It's, I think it's bad for the Mets. I think maybe the Mets just aren't very good. That's also possible. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Where, where is Blankers today? Uh, he's moonlighting as a decorator for quinceañeras. That'd be good. His wife is. Uh, well, never mind. She's her. She used to be Hernandez. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Why is Blankers no longer here? Are uh, here today? He should be back tomorrow. I think. Yeah, no, he did not get part of the ESPN layoffs. He's not part of the ESPN layoffs, according to our sauces. Uh, let's get to the JP France conversation. Is JP France for real? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. ESPN ninety seven five and ninety two five. You do like me. I just don't like you no more. You do like me. I don't. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and murderous Jays. Where is Blankers today? Wrong answers only. 713-780-3776. He's taking a test to get his alternative certification to become a middle school PE teacher. He dresses the part. I don't know if the kids would love him. Mm. Uh, Tummy troubles? That gets us all. That gets all of us. I feel like Joel Blank as a PE coach. I I think it's a movie. I think it's like a reality television show. I would watch that. No doubt about it. Is it like the version of Kevin James, Sean Payton? A little bit? Did you I, watch? Absolutely not. No, I did not watch <laughs> did that not movie. Watch. I was thinking you were going to reference the movie Rebound starring Martin Lawrence. <laughs> I thought he was going to talk about grown-ups. I tried. Like, I could I see Blankers up. being a grown-up Kicking in that and movie. Screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Or he it, could be the oh. Mike Ditka character from Kicking <laughs> and Screaming. Uh, I think grown-ups is his best cast, though. Like walking out there with Kevin James and Adam Sandler and playing a little pickup ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the best cast. I yeah. love watching videos of Adam Sandler playing pickup basketball. He's got the long shorts, like the over, like the <laughs> baggy like, shirt. It's like a triple X t-shirt, like double X pants that like you don't really know how they fit. They're way below his <laughs> knees. He's got this old man game. Like it's just a lot of passing. It's yeah, so great. A- and he's. He is dressed like by far the worst out of anyone on the yes. court, but he has like <laughs> what game. 500 million more dollars than yeah, everyone yeah, else yeah. on the court. He looks court. like whenever he plays basketball, like it looks like he hasn't shaved in like at least no. three weeks. He hasn't washed his hair. It's all out of place. <laughs> like Adam Sandler on a basketball court looks like a mess. If you had a hundred million dollars, would you change the way you dress? Or would you dress the way that you dress now? I mean, I would dress, a, I'd probably dress a little bit nicer. Yeah. I would also dress way nicer than how Adam Sandler dresses. <laughs> like, I wouldn't I, be wearing giant in one shorts or whatever he's wearing to these games. Yeah. I think I would dress nicer going out, but yeah. just like around here, around the boys, around the house, I think I would dress the same. You know, the lo- I would not work here if I had $100 million. So you're saying, so the lotteries are at Fair like point. over like 550 right now, both of them. Is it really? Yeah. I had no idea. If, if you guys won, you would, you would quit. I'll put that in my I don't, notes. I don't in just case keep I, that in mind. In what case I, I lose Mapes. Maybe, maybe what, I'll stick around I, for a little bit. Can I get the first, the first inconvenience, like the first time, I don't know, maybe I have to work the show after my show. <laughs> the first time that happens, I'd be like, you know what? I'm out. Would I'm I quit? Done. I don't know if I would quit. I, I don't no. know. I really don't know if I would quit. 
Oh, I would. Ne- I could never. I don't think I would quit. I, I would be so bored. Now with my I life. might. Now you know. You know what I might do though. I might be like, hey, pay me a dollar, but I'm just never coming into the studio. I'll just work from the house. You can pay me one dollar. Yeah, I couldn't live that life. So you'd I, ruin the show? Okay. Would that ruin the show? I think so. It would, it would, yeah, if you're not in the same room, I feel like it takes away a little bit. I mean, I, I, we do it pretty often with me being on the road. And oh, Lance yeah. does it you pretty have, often. You have, more, you have more experience with it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, just, I think it's good whenever Blankers and I aren't in the same room. I, would, I, would, I think it's better for course, both of our morales. I, I, I would miss you every day. We can talk on the on the phone. Oh no, I'm, I'm only texting because I'm not a phone guy. I don't talk to anybody. I, I send my mom to to voicemail seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Is JP France for real? Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Pena, you're in the hive of the killer bees. What's up, Pena? Hey, what's up, guys? Good afternoon. Uh, so real quick, I think Joe. I think he's at his mandatory monthly uh, HOA meeting. And um, Mandatory? I think uh, JP France is for real, but I have a question for y'all. If he is for real, do you think the Astros are going to let Bromber walk? Uh, thank y'all. Have a great day. All right, Pena. Appreciate it. This is so. Let's get to the Fromber thing in a minute. JP France is a fascinating story. Like he's married to a, a lady who did the challenge. Mm-hmm. He's a 28 year old rookie, and he's pitching better than your super prospect rookie. We're gonna do mid season awards. In like a half hour? Yeah. I don't know who I'm choosing for Rookie of the Year. <laughs> Steven just texted in. He says, take a look at J.P. France versus Justin Verlander's stats in 2023. Now, this is a bit misleading. J.P. France, let's play Let's play the exercise. 4-3, and 3-26 ERA. Justin Verlander is 3-4, and four, the 3-66 ERA. Now, Verlander's been really good over his last six starts. He's pitching like to under a 2.5 ERA. So, Verlander's starting to look like old Justin Verlander, last year's Justin Verlander. And I'm not putting J.P. France in the same conversation with Justin Verlander. The point is, you have a 28-year-old rookie that none of us expected to be a major league pitcher. And if he was a major league pitcher, it was going to be like a Sean Dubin, just eating innings, uh, spot start, filling yeah. in for an injured guy. Never in our wildest imaginations did we Will we be talking about J.P. France after 11 starts, six of those in a row that have been quality, that is pitching to a three and a quarter ERA, which if he had enough innings to qualify, is flirting with a top 10 ERA in the American League. This is one of the best stories for the Houston Astros this year. I think he's for real. He his. Like I do think he's pitching a bit above his mean. Like I don't think he's a three twenty six ERA guy. I think he's probably a three seventy five ERA guy. But what he is, he has a fastball that doesn't have tons of velocity, but it has good movement. He's kind of like Dallas Keuchel from the right handed side. He's not going to blow you away with stuff, but he's going to pitch to contact and pitch to weak contact. He doesn't miss bats, but he misses barrels. Like JP France, I'm ready to like because he's a rookie, right? So yep. you get JP France for five more years after this year. I'm ready to lock in J.P. France to a spot in my rotation for the rest of his rookie contract. I agree. I think that J.P. France, like while he'll never be the top end of your guy, and maybe he's the guy that just disappears every year when you get to the postseason, like he's not out there. Like I don't think any of us believe J.P. France is going to be on the mound barring very bad things for Jose Arquiti in the ALCS like game four. Like, if you get to the fourth game of the ALCS of the World Series this year, it's likely going to be Jose Arquiti, not J.P. France. But the way he's going, it's more possible now than ever before. Like, And I don't think he stops you from signing Fromber, but right. I think he stops you from signing Arquiti. Maybe so, because like, it's like a different tier. I don't think that J.P. France, like his emergence, really has any effect on Fromber Valdez, to be completely honest with you. Because he's not an ace. 
Plus, I don't think that the Astros are going to re-sign Framber Valdez. Like, even if they didn't have J.P. France, I don't think that... It's not really like an Apple's... Like, they've tried with Fromber, and Fromber's going to be, like, in his early 30s by the time he becomes a free agent. Like, it, it's weird to think that Fromber Valdez, I think, still has two more years after this year. Yeah, he has this year, and he has two more seasons. He becomes free at the same time that Kyle Tucker becomes free. So he's going to be a free agent at the age of 31. Like, what kind of contract do you give into a 31-year-old starting pitcher that wants to cash in? Like, he's going to be looking for a six-, seven-year deal. I don't think the Astros are going to pay a 31-year-old starter a six-, seven-year deal at $30, $35 million. No, if Fromber's going to stay, they're going to sign him this offseason. Yeah, and I think that's why it's a separate conversation than France altogether. Because that decision, you're not considering J.P. France in that conversation with Fromber at all. Yeah, because you want Fromber's contract to end when he's 34 or 35 and then hopefully past that point then you start going to two three-year deals if he's got somehow that Justin Verlander Max Scherzer going into his 40s kind of length in his career JP France is just not a factor like I, I think he is a factor in terms of Orkiti I think he is a factor in terms of you feel better about Lance McCullers never coming back because I know he's in theory supposed to be back next year but like I'll believe it when I see it yeah like, I think J.P. France stops you from having to add two arms this offseason. Maybe you only have to add one arm this offseason now because he's pitched well enough. Like, mm-hmm. he's not elite, elite, but he's just really, really good. You can count on him. You yeah. can count on him. Like, he's kind of gritty. He's kind of a gamer. Like, he's kind of a bulldog, figures out how to get it done. Like, 60-30. Fromber isn't walking, book it. I hope you're right. Like, well, it depends on the contract. Uh, France, a great story, but year two will catch up to him. I say trade him. Look. I think that he is pitching above his means. I, again, I don't think he's a 325 ERA guy. Like, he's the second-best ERA in the starting rotation. I don't think he's the second-best starter on this team. I think he's a good number four starter. But the caveat there is he's a 28-year-old pitcher. Like, he doesn't have tremendous trade value. Like, who's trading for J.P. France? If you're trying to get like, you're trying to get somebody at the deadline, the other teams aren't asking for a 28-year-old starter in J.P. France. They want your young guys. They want guys in their early 20s, not their late 20s. It's a fascinating story. A rookie at 28 that I think has like solidified his spot as a rotational starter in Major League Baseball. You have him for the, for the cheat for the next five seasons. He doesn't have great trade value. J.P. France is a starter in this rotation for the next five years. I personally don't. What you do? What do you think they would get the Verdugo, Verdugo deal done? No, why would the Reds, why would the Red Sox want a twenty eight year old starter? Other than he's cheap and under club control. He's cheap, he's under club control, and frankly, he's better than almost like everything they have. Yeah, like, true. I, I don't know if it's the like the perfect guy. Maybe Verdugo's price is too high. I, I think when they talk about trading like big league guy for big league guy, you're talking about specifically Jake Myers or Chas McCormick being traded for a left fielder. But if you're going to go beyond that. I mean, J.P. France could, in theory, make the most sense, but I don't know how you would even consider it. You can't do it right now, though. Now that I think about this, like, you can't do this. Christian Javier is not good at the moment. Right. Jose Arquiti might be back at some point. Uh Uh-huh. And Hunter Brown is still a rookie. He is going to blow past every single innings pitch he's ever done in his career. You don't know if his arm's going to fall off at some point. And if anyone knows anything about that, it should be Dusty Baker. Mm -hmm. About, like, you know, not ruining a young rookie pitcher. Like, so, for me, well, what, Sean? You don't want me to carry yeah. wood? Wait, when's that ever happened? Oh, carry wood. Oh. Mark Pryor? That's was just one. Oh, Washington? Two. oh, yeah, that's bad. So, Did uh, he have his hands on Strasburg at all? Yes. Yeah. He was, he, that, was when, that was when he was upset that Strasburg um, didn't pitch in the playoffs. Like, they pitched they shut out, him down. The worst thing. Oh. If they did that with Hunter Brown, I would be furious. This... <laughs> they won't. 
But that was one of the dumbest things any baseball team's ever done. Steven Strasburg was elite his rookie year. Brown's not a he's not a he's not a Boris guy though, is he? No, no. Okay. And then they just shut down Steven Strasburg, and they never did anything with it. This I is why I they, had my reservations was, uh, in 2020 about hiring Dusty Baker. Again, <laughs> oh, I did none too. of it ever mattered. They still too. won a World Series. They went to another one. but It's like the one thing he's the most known for is yeah. Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor. Strasburg was the best pitcher in college baseball that year. There was two great pitchers that year, Steven Strasburg and A.J. Morse. They were the top two by far. But think about it, too. Think about, how, think about the starting pitchers that you've used literally this week. You've used Sean Dubin. You're going to use Ronel Blanco today. You've used Brandon Belak. You're not trading J.P. France. No. You've had to use Dubin, Belak, and Blanco this week alone. You're not trading J.P. France. Are you ready to say that you're confident giving him a playoff start? Yeah. I think, I think I'm confident. I think I am. Like as of today, like I, I we might feel innings, two runs. We might feel differently the next day after he gets shelled by a good playoff team. But at this moment. If he was out there for the last game to advance out of the division round, I'd feel good. Like if they're up two to one against the Rangers in the division round or something like that, would I feel good with JP France on the mound? Yes. I'm going right now. If I had to set it today, I'm going Fromber. Yep. I'm going Hunter Brown. I have to go JP France over Christian Javier if I'm making a decision to start a playoff game today. I have to. I have to, right? You trust in Javier after the last three starts over J.P. France is giving you six quality starts in a row? What I a, can't. What a I can't wor- do it. What a world we would be living in um, if imagine, that happened. Imagine like, traveling back in time to like November 15th what a take or whatever be. and being like, you know, in July, <laughs> Jeremy won't be comfortable with Christian Could Javier. You imagine? A- what if I had that take on December 1st? J.P. France come all-star game is going to be a more trusted starter than Christian Javier. They would have been calling me Skip Branham from the tallest hills in Houston, which is very tall. I might not have come to the station. Right? They would have gotten a clown show operation <laughs> like, running over there. You guys want me to come produce for that guy? That uh, guy. Yeah, it'd be Bad Take Boulevard. I mean, it, it, that would be insane. 713, but am I wrong? No, you're am not wrong. Am I wrong today, like, now? Christian Javier at this point, like, if they put him back in the bullpen for the first round, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. 713-780-3776. The HRP listener line. Uh, 713-780-3776. Why is Blankers not here today? Trying to break a Guinness World Record for the longest game of Monopoly. I don't think Blankers could last through a full game of Monopoly, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, Texans training camp opens up in three weeks. What are the most interesting storylines as we enter Texans training camp? Also, the climate around the Houston Texans, much different from a national perspective and a local perspective. We'll discuss that next. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Something that needs to be on the front of your mind is a goal from Pro Dunk. Hoops. You probably play basketball, right? You have a kid. Maybe he plays basketball, nephew, niece, whatever. Uh, They're looking for a goal in their driveway, right in their yard, so they can work on their game. And if you're going to do that for them, you need to give them the highest quality basketball goals on the market. A goal from Pro Dunk. Not not something you get from the big box store. Not something that's going to get blown over by a little bit of wind. That's going to have the backboard busted, the rim unlevel. You need something good. You need something quality. That's a goal from Pro Dunk. Tempered glass backboard. They have a breakaway rim, which is very important because it's height adjustable. You can lower it all the way down to 5 feet, all the way up to 10 feet, work on your dunks, work on your shots, whatever you want to do. Also, their accessories are great. They are the very, very best. LED light kits for night play. You might not want to be out in the Houston heat. You might want to wait until night when you get off work. 
Well, LED light kits will take care of that. Backstop nets, don't chase the basketball around, pull pad lettering, lots more. You can also order professional installation. Are you like me? Are you not a jack-of-all-trades? You're a little worried about that rim being level? Well, let the pros at ProDunk do that work for you. They'll install your goal at the perfect height, perfectly straight. You don't do a thing. The pros at ProDunk do all of the work for you. Give them a call at 281-351-9822 and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, right where you belong. That song belongs to me! Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. Where is Blankers today? He's not here. Joe George filling in, and then Sean Mays filling in for Joe George. Where is uh, where is Blankers? 713-780-3776. A playing jazz piano and a speakeasy under the stage name, the Texas Tickler. Oh, I got some bad news. <laughs> if Joel Blank is playing the longest Monopoly game ever played, when do you think he's coming back to work? I have no idea. What do you think the long? What do you think the world record is? Uh, for longest Monopoly game, yeah. like, are they were they seeking out to break the record here? Because you they can kind of stall. You can do a bunch of mound visits, like Carlos yeah, Correa. They must have. I mean, is this like Kramer whenever he's on the subway and he takes the game of Risk onto the subway? Oh, like, they just play everywhere they go. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Like, there's probably some delays and things like that. I don't know. Seven days. Add a zero to that. Seven hundred days. Seventy. Oh, seventy. That's my bad. That a zero, <laughs> not two zeros. I'm bad at math. Go Cougs. Um, 70 days? It says 70 days. That's over two months. This says longest Monopoly game in a treehouse, 286 hours. Can I be honest with you? I, Monopoly I can, sucks. Yeah, that was my take, too. I don't <laughs> like Monopoly. Good. Like, at what point do you get bored? When it starts? I've never played a complete game of Monopoly, ever in my life. I've never played a full Monopoly game. It's not a good game. Like It's I, boring. I always reach the point where I, like, kind of tank it like so where you, i'm just like I, no. I, I like i make it long enough i'm like i just want to i just want to not play this game anymore so i will just start going bankrupt yeah and stuff. just spending money just, yeah like <laughs> you're intentionally tank tanking like I, that yeah monopoly not a great game in my opinion uh 713-780-3776 um eric says at this point are you hoping javier is injured instead of just losing it no, because I don't think he's hurt. I think he's just, I think it's a little dead arm. I think he's, guess. I think it's fun. To, I think it's mechanics. I think his mechanics are out of sync a bit. And I, I look, I, I said this the other day. I actually saw some things in his start Monday. I know he got shelled. That made me more encouraged about Christian Javier than entering that start. I yeah. thought he looked a little bit closer to old Christian Javier in that start uh, than he did in his previous oh, two starts. Well, yeah, so yesterday we talked about, you know, would you skip him yeah. or not? And then they've made the decision they're going to skip him. Are you, so are you surprised that's what they ultimately no. came down to? No, not not really. Um, I thought it could have went either way. I feel like if it was more encouraging Monday that they would have used him before the All-Star break. Um, but it doesn't surprise me they did that. No. That's no. where I kind of wonder if it's like mechanics and a little bit of dead arm. Yeah, which, I mean, I think maybe you're eliminating one of those, right? Like, if, if you're wondering if it's mechanics, if you're wondering it's dead arm, maybe it's fatigue that's leading to his mechanics. Like, I mean, you get a little bit fatigued, you start doing things a little bit less. Jump jump 10 times, and then on that 11th jump, it's not going to be as good a jump as the third jump. Like, fatigue 
ruins your mechanics sometimes. It, it certainly you know, diminishes how good your mechanics can be. So I think that it, it at least eliminates the fatigue issue. Like, can they give him a bunch of time off? He comes back fresh, and now the mechanics can be worked on and mastered to where it was in the past. Uh, you know, I think it gives him kind of a fresh start. So it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I think Javier is going to figure it out. Maybe it's me being just overly optimistic. But, like, against the Rangers, he had four strikeouts in four and a third. You look at his previous two starts, he had two strikeouts in six and a third. Look, so, like, he looked a little bit closer to old Javier than, than bad Javier. I, I've been in the camp where, like, look, I have money on Christian Javier this year that I've officially just assumed is now in the toilet to win Cy Young. I yeah. am a firm Christian Javier believer. Like, when he was doing that thing where they were – put him in the bullpen, then they'd bring him out and put him in the rotation and then back in the bullpen, and then they just kept going back and forth. I was, at one point, I was just like, I'm done with this. Like it's, I'm absolutely 100% done. Christian Javier was always one of your top three pitchers in your rotation when you had Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, and Javier. Yeah. And he still should be your second-best pitcher on this team. And if he's not, it's going to be because Hunter Brown becomes elite. Yeah. So, like, I firmly believe Christian Javier will figure it out. It's just in this very moment, you just don't feel great because, like, it's just it's been he's on the struggle bus. Like, you're he's driving the struggle bus. You're also really committed to having to figure him out for two reasons. One, the 2023 2023 Astros, like, if they're going to reach their ceiling, they need Christian Javier to be close to what he was last year. Secondly, you've locked him up to a five-year deal. Like, he, he is a Houston Astro through 2027, and so you for, can't give up on him. And he'll always be, like, I, if you told me, like, Christian Javier is going to fall apart a little bit or he's going to go back to the guy last year that when you needed it most, he went in and he put him on the table and he showed the New York Yankee who's daddy and he threw a, and he helped throw a <laughs> no-hitter. Oh, and then he did it again in the World Series. Yeah. Like, that to me is Christian Javier, and he can be that guy on a consistent basis. Like, I just... Like, I would have taken money that he would throw his own no-hitter this year. He was, um, yeah. I mean, that was the most underrated pitching performance in the last two decades. Yeah. Like, people just overlook. Hey, yeah, the Astros threw a no-hitter in the World Series, and Javier went six innings in that game. 713-780-3776. Look it up at the, uh, the HRMP listener line here. And it says that Shane has a question for Branham. This is scary. Shane, you're in the hive of the Killer Bees. What's up? Yes. Yep. Can you hear me, buddy? Yeah, I can hear you, buddy. Okay. Shane? You're on the air. Oh, he hung up! Oh! Did he just get stage fright? Oh, Shane, call back. I was dying to know the question you had. 713-780-3776. I don't know. Do you think he did? Did Shane just get stage fright? No, nah, big game Shane. He doesn't get stage fright. I, I, no. I don't know Shane. I don't no. know Shane. Big game Shane wouldn't. I think it was it was a connection. He's on a cricket. There's bad weather out. He didn't get stage fright. Shane, call back. 713-780-3776. Sean, do you know the question? No, he did say it was non-sports related. Oh. And so I was like, okay. And huh. then, Maybe oh. he's calling back. Oh, I yeah. hear the phone ringing. I'll, I'll double Shane. check and then I'll put him up. Is this big game Shane? Uh, sixty ninety one says I was a I was short a man this morning. I have blankets running a bulldozer for me. Why is Blankers not here today? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Dre says he thinks his uh, his daughter's playing in the Little League Softball World Series. Ooh. Potentially, she's a good player. Uh, day one, Donna Blankers is busy auditioning to be Jalen Rose's replacement as an ESPN analyst. That'd be kind of cool. I, I remember us when. Whenever you get big blinkers. All right, Shane is back. I knew big game Shane didn't get stage fright. That's very unlike big game Shane. Shane, you're in the hive with the killer bees. What's up? Hey, can you hear me, buddy? Yeah, we got you, Chief. 
Okay. So, here's my question uh, for Branham, because he's the family guy, right? I am, yeah. You're having a problem with your mom, according to your job. What, uh, what do you do? I, do you agree with your mom, or do you go to work and go overseas? What? <laughs> what? So there's a problem with my mom and my job, and I have to pick one? Uh, kind of, yeah. That's kind of basically how she put it. That's how she put it. So there's an issue with mom, and your mom wants the issue to be resolved. Yeah. You have to go to work. She wants me to be stateside. Job wants me overseas. Oh. Oh. So my mom wants me here, and the job wants me overseas? That's tough. Yeah, appreciate the call, Shane. Thank you. I mean, I'm I'm gonna do what my mom wants me to do. I'll do what my mom wants me to do within I got, reason. I got and my mom's reasonable. Like I love my mom. No, I would do what my mom wants me to do. But I do what the wife says. Ooh, that's that's now that now you're throwing a wrinkle into the conversation. If when mom he, says one, like, wife if, says if, the if, other. When like, he said family man, that's what I was thinking. Because yeah. like now, look, I'm in a tough spot. Like I pretty much like am like suckered to living in Houston for the rest of my life because <laughs> my parents left Illinois, which is great for be, the station. Yeah, to be <laughs> sucker. <laughs> I'm not sure. I love that. Oh, <laughs> huh. you get to you get the opportunity to live in Houston. I get to melt yeah. for three months a year. Um, like my parents moved from Illinois to Houston to be near their grandson. So like, can I ethically apply for a new job? Like if I wanted to, probably not. Like, no. if, if Brendan got to go be, like, work for the Tigers and, like, actually work for a team he likes. <laughs> and you get, like, a lot, you get to take the White Sox job, a team that you like? Apparently, yeah. Like, <laughs> can I even apply for that job anymore? Or, like, am I stuck forever because no, my parents ethically, moved here? I think, ethically, I don't think you can. I think I'm screwed. Yeah. Like, I'm here forever. And I we're think better I'll, for it. So, please I, don't fire me. You might have changed my answer. I think I'll go wife, mom, job. Yeah. It's, yes. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, plus the wife is the mother of my children, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for my children. Yeah, you're so, kind of stuck. Yeah. I, I think that's that, the answer. I hope so that I never... noticed I said, yeah, and I, I'm not married. So I, just, I was just like, yeah, so, yeah But you know yeah, what's agree. to come. Agree. Yeah. You know what's on the horizon. As someone who's not a family man, I agree. <laughs> Appreciate the call, Shane. Big game, Shane. 713-780-3776. Why is Blanker's not here today? All right, let's get to the training camp conversation, Texans. Which storyline are you most intrigued by? And then my, my observation between – the national people in just our city when it when it comes to the Houston Texans. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I'm an idea man, Chuck. This is Bill. Idea to eliminate garbage. Edible paper. 